I have asthma. And so I knew I needed to get in really good shape before I got into the army because one of the things about being in the army is that you're not allowed to have asthma. Don't worry, I'm not taking your taxpayer dollars. There's no VA, nothing for me here. I'm just, I wanted, I wanted to be in the army. I knew it was gonna be tough. So I was like, I have to get in really good shape. So good a shape that even if I'm having an asthma attack, it won't matter. And so there were some ways I was reaching that goal as in like, I would just hop on a treadmill, put it as fast as like it would go and just run until I had an asthma attack and then be like, all right, now like do something else and just try to be tough. Hello again, team Drew and Alex here with Mops and Moes. Another week, another guest. This one, someone that I think folks may have heard about before, Alex. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one. We got Chandler Smith on the podcast. The official is... unsponsored athlete of Mops and Moes. He doesn't know that, but he is. It's true. Mops and Moes is secretly and not so secretly. Not secretly Chandler Smith fan club. Nope. And just in addition to being a really impressive athlete, Chandler is just a really good dude, a good friend. So it's awesome to have him on for this chat. He's also shredded. Yeah, a little bit obnoxiously jacked. So if you don't know, Chandler is, as we speak right now, sitting in third place at the CrossFit Games midway through day three. By the time you're listening to this in a couple of weeks, you'll be able to see the final result of what has been a pretty awesome comeback season for him. Uh, Chandler grew up around athletics his entire life. His father was an NFL fullback and now works as a strength and conditioning coach for the Dallas Cowboys. Chandler wrestled throughout high school and at West Point, discovering CrossFit as a conditioning tool along the way. We'll talk about the unique way he implemented it initially in this conversation. Uh, graduating from West Point in 2015, Chandler commissioned as an armor officer and started focusing more and more on training for competitive CrossFit with a goal of making it to the games by 2022. Despite a couple of setbacks, including losing part of his left ring finger in an army training accident in 2017 and having to train in extremely austere conditions while deployed in 2018, he ended up beating that 2022 goal and qualifying for the games in 2019. Uh, there's certainly more to the story there. 2022 was a little bit of a, a heartbreak year for him. Uh, we'll talk about some of that during the episode, but with a, a massive asthma attack in semifinals, that kind of derailed his plans and made him rethink some of his career. But since some of that, he's he's now a civilian. He's not in the army anymore. He's Ooh. a full-time professional CrossFit athlete, and it's pretty cool this weekend to see him showcasing how much of a force to be reckoned with he still is. If you hearken back to our episode, early episode with Evan Pycon, uh, he talks a little bit about some of the physiological testing that he does. And I will quote directly from him that Chandler Smith is the fittest athlete he has ever conducted testing on, which is very interesting. And I don't remember if we call him out for that on air or off air, but it came up for sure. Uh, but yeah, Chandler's Chandler's an interesting one because, you know, we talk a lot about sort of the uh, overlap between crossfit and army training and how you know for better or for worse it seems to be a pretty prevalent thing i think chandler is a perfect example of how it can obviously go very well because he's in phenomenal shape and he's competing currently and he's doing a really good job so definitely a fun conversation it's it's good to finally have our officially unsponsored uh mops and mo's athlete on the podcast to chat uh so hopefully you guys enjoy this one there's a layer here too that i think is pretty cool I know it from putting conversations I've had with Chandler. I've heard it come up a number of times with other professional athletes that he trains with occasionally. Chandler, more than a lot of people in the space, is super, super deep into the why he trains the way he trains. 
Um, he has significant influence on the programming he follows. He knows the logic behind all of the stuff. So it's cool to dig into it with a guy who's not just well-versed in the why and the science behind it, but is applying it every day at a ridiculously high level. I think it's awesome. You know, we'll have a lot of stuff in the show notes. We, we talk about a, a documentary that's out there about him, obviously his, his CrossFit experience with, you know, guys, Chandler's really, he's a small, uh, he's a small fish in the social media page. He only has a bajillion followers on Instagram. So uh, do us a favor, seek him out, give him a follow and uh, let's, let's help launch this guy. Enjoy. Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, we just wanted to give a really quick plug for the recently launched long and strong program on Mops and Moe's Train Heroic account. So if you follow Mops and Moe's on Instagram, or if you go to our website, you will find links taking you to where you can sign up for long and strong. This is an ongoing sort of team based program. For the next couple of weeks before September kicks off, we're doing a discount sign-up rate at $20. So if you sign up now using the links that I just mentioned, $20 after the beginning of September, once the program goes live, it'll increase to $30 a month. So take advantage of it now. You probably aren't surprised to know this will be a concurrent training type of program. There will be some classic barbell strength work. There will be some polarized endurance training, some intense supersets, some work capacity type of sessions. It's designed as one workout a day, six days per week, one of those being active recovery. And I, for one, am beta testing it as we speak, trying to balance it with a lot of mountain biking and hiking and things like that. Working pretty well, I'm certainly enjoying the flexibility of it. I usually move my active recovery day to Wednesday instead of Thursday because I do a long bike ride on Sunday. It's got the flexibility to adapt to whatever else you're doing. I think you guys really enjoy it. And yes, there will be leg tucks. So like we said... Follow the links on Instagram, head over to the website, sign up now. Programming will not start until the 1st of September, but you can get in at the $20 rate. Until then, once September kicks off, it will be $30 a month. I'm a, I'm a huge jerk. We can really probably just end the interview here. I'm a jerk. I'm not super pleasant to be around. I do some exercise. I heard. So that's what I heard. I heard you ex- described that way. Yeah. I reached out, I, you know, Evan Pycon, a uh, mutual yeah. friend, reached out to him. I said, hey, we're talking to Chandler tonight. Uh, you know, explain him in three words. He said, huge jerk likes to exercise. <laughs> I know that's a lie because Evan would have, he would have hit the three words on the dot. Yeah, that's, that is an excellent counterpoint. He did mention <laughs> your, uh, in all seriousness, he mentioned your 515 test and that you blew everyone out of the water. So well done. I was many moons ago back when I was a. Uh... A, a far fitter version of myself. It's actually been super interesting. Like my fitness as like in like the European sense of the word, like, which is whatever, just like cardiovascularly. I'm so much worse than I used to be when I was 10 pounds lighter and was running six times a week, being in the army and everything, but I've gotten a little bit better at CrossFit, but now it makes, you know, all the running and fast stuff hurt a lot more, which, so the sport has gotten a lot less pleasant than it used to be, but I've gotten better. So you've gotten less fit. Since you left the army, the army's going to love to hear that. No, this was like, I've, I got let, I've, I've been progressively getting less fit since I left West Point. I don't want to give <laughs> the army really any credit for, for anything outside of a lost finger and lost years of enjoyment. But I'm just kidding. I have a, not that negative. It was a really good time for other people. I think there's a story of resilience in there a little bit. 
I don't know. I don't know like how much people following this are going to like know about your story with the army and like the the games 2022 journey and the the hurdles along the way. Go. Irony of ironies uh, that that was like the since 2012, probably when I first met Alex, I was like, I'm going to make the games. I'm going to make the games in a decade and then ended up sandwiching that exact year that I thought I was going to make it which is kind of the universe telling me like, you know, you're not really in, in charge of anything, but yeah, I guess there's been a decent amount of resilience, but that's pretty much a story for anybody who's not, you know, walking in with otherworldly talent. You're going to lose a lot probably. And actually that's, I've never, I don't know the last time I won across, I think I won one in January of 2020. I've won like one CrossFit event ever. So that's pretty cool. The story I kind of like around the games 2022 thing is, I remember, I don't know when it was. I think it must've been when I was last living in Colorado and you came out to visit or something, but mm. I, I hopped in the passenger seat of your car and you had a printed out list of goals taped to yeah. like the glove box of the car and like very specific, like quantifiable and like with deadlines goals. That's a, that's on a different level from anywhere I've been. I've heard of people putting it on their closet or their mirror, but you've got it on the glove box of your car. Yeah, I spent a bunch of time in the car. I had a <laughs> sick, sick, nasty commute to Fort Riley, and then I was driving from Riley up to Colorado Springs and Carson, um, you know, once every other month. So spent a lot of time in the car, and it was a good reminder every morning as I was on my way to another riveting PT session or leaving another awesome day of, of good, good old-fashioned Army work that I had goals that I needed to reach. And especially, like, some on, like, the late days, just kind of, like, having that visible reminder of what it was that I wanted to do um, kept me from, you know, maybe taking a day off or letting my mind wander. It was always kind of at the forefront of my mind because every time I put my bag in the passenger seat, I saw, hey, you said you're going to hit a 685 deadlift by 2017 or something. It was also just like completely, complete nonsense as far as what the expectations for a world-class CrossFit athlete needed to be. Uh, Vastly overestimated the the strength department underestimated the conditioning requirements and like the, the skill side of things, which is kind of the story. I'm like a strength conditioning athlete who does CrossFit and not a hyper awesome CrossFitter because uh, my gymnastics and ability to adapt to new skills kind of always lacked. So I was super wrong um, with what I thought was necessary. And I was super wrong in thinking that the progress that I'd seen from graduation in 2015 up to, mm, was that was it a 2015? I guess, yeah, from graduation, like my first year, all my numbers went up because I was finally eating and I stopped wrestling and I was doing consistent strength training. I was like, okay, well, if I put on 50 pounds on a back squat this year, uh, you know, I probably will only put 40 on next year, 30 on next year. So I will probably only squat eight or 900 pounds by the time games 22 comes around. I'm like, that's okay. I can wear it. So how did your, how did your training change? when you, when you left the army, you didn't have to deal with any of that fluff anymore. And you could focus specifically on CrossFit. Um, I think it changed to focusing on things outside of the gym. Uh, so I got out of the army and I went up to Boston to work with comp train. And those guys were very good at being, they had a, a crew of professionals who'd been professionals in the sport for a while. And they had a good understanding of the processes necessary to you know, be successful when it comes to, they had a, a five, a five layer breakdown that I, I still use. And I think is really good. They talked about like the five factors that would help you head up a competition where your mentality, your nutrition, your training, your recovery, and your sleep. 
I just remember that as mentors, which is like standard army, you know, like making things an acronym and find a way to remember it. But I pretty much only focused on training. Um, I think my philosophy for the longest time and still to some degree is that like if you train hard enough or well enough or use your training currency um, in, a, in an intelligent way, you can overcome the rest of the stuff. Like I cannot mentality my way to the CrossFit games just by being a mentally tough person. Like if I can't snatch 275, doesn't matter like how many times I can get punched in the stomach and keep going. Like that's not going to help me. I can't nutrition my way to it. Uh, if my body fat's 2% and I'm eating the most whole sourced grass fed, never orphaned and like, you know, family raised pasture beef um, that will not on its own help me make to the CrossFit games recovery, same concept. Like if I get a massage every night and day or whatever, and same thing with sleep 10 hours, that would be awesome. But like all of those things, all, all that other stuff supports training, but training is the, uh, and actually Alex and I had a discussion around this, I think a couple of months ago. We sure um, did. Yeah. Training is for at high, the highest levels and like you know, not completely ignoring the other aspects of things. Training is the main thing for this sport and for, for pretty much any modality, whatever the training is in my mind, that's the one thing that can't re be replaced. The other things are all supporting elements to your training or your job or whatever that is. So I really doubled down on that. And then when I got out, I was able to kind of expand and learn a little bit about the, those other things. So as, as you learned about the other things, I vaguely remember your approach to nutrition a few years ago and it, it wasn't, it wasn't so much nutritionally focused as just enjoying what you ate. Uh, and the convenience factor, how has that evolved? Like, I guess not just nutrition, but like all of those factors other than training, how have you evolved your approach to them? I think, okay, I'll go through in order. Um, also, I guess we'll start with the nutrition. Um, I still probably don't eat like as clean as, you know, a bodybuilder trying to become stage ready or as clean as I did when I was trying to cut weight, um, for wrestling, but with the volume of training that a CrossFit athlete has, I think there's a lot of the, like just the, the carbs. If you had, if you pulled every games athlete, um, on the dude side, there would probably be less than five who are eating like during a training day, less than 400 grams of carbs. And like that number, and everyone's eating at least body weight protein. So we're all like, just, off of that alone, we're all like around 3000 calories, not including like the fats as you're cooking it. So we're, we're all eating a lot. And when you're training two or three times a day, you can't really eat, at least for me, I found that I, outside of getting a, a, a relatively big breakfast in, like in between training sessions, it's very difficult to eat and then digest and process that food fast enough to turn around to train again. So you do lean more heavily on like refined carbs um and refined sugars and carbs a little bit and then you eat like a normal person for dinner like probably similar to whatever you ate growing up um because you need to eat a lot of food you throw the protein shakes and stuff in protein shakes are also processed a bit and i know that's not as you know clean as maybe other folks would eat but for the purposes of what we're doing i think it's it's necessary to do pretty much not whatever you can to get the calories in but getting the calories in to fuel the training is more important than specifically just the, the quality of the calories themselves. You want them to be high quality. And I think probably compared to, you know, 90% of 95% of Americans, like the, the quality of the food I eat is much higher, but I'm not, I'm not obsessing over that. Um, in the same way I'm obsessing over my training. So that's the nutrition piece. I'll let you rebut because I know that's a big one for you. No, I think, I think it's a great point. And I think there's, 
a layer in here of like people assume that like the same things that get you to like a normal level of fitness, you would just like do them all harder to get to a higher level of fitness. And I do think there's a little bit of a change where you're like maybe even like compromising normal health things for the sake of performance things. There's, there's mm-hmm. like a, I don't know where that transition point is. I don't know how high you go before you start to make decisions that are like kind of as utilitarian as what you're talking about of just like, you have to train enough hard enough and you have to get enough calories and like the other things become a little bit secondary, but well, it's like, at what point does food become strictly fuel and not food anymore? I mean, I guess, cause I'm just thinking about like, you know, kind of growing up, obviously not to the level that you're at with CrossFit, but all these kind of local competitions and people will show up with like 10 Snickers bars because that's what they saw Rich Froning eating at the games. And it's like, Hey man, uh, you're not that guy. So I don't know if that's where you want to be in terms of your nutrition, but to your point, you know, what was it? 400 grams of carbs and then body weight protein. I mean, like at, at least. Yeah. yeah. So you're I'm, housing, I'm, I'm over housing that. food. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Pretty much all the time. Anytime it, 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 it feels, and, and like, I know what a real job is. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a goofy thing to say that it feels like a job, but that is you get home from a training session and immediately you have to start putting food in because you got to put food in immediately after and then put some food in before your next training session. And if you don't, if you miss the timing, you're going to be too full and then you're going to be sluggish. Like it's something you really have to stay on top of. I was, I was actually thinking about that the other day. Cause like I work out probably once a day on average, some days I don't work out and some days I'll do a couple things, but I always worry about like, Oh, I waited too long to work out and now I have to eat. So I can't work out for another hour or two. Cause I won't feel good until then. And that's window. only managing, that's only managing one workout <laughs> and it's not that big a deal yeah. for me. And it's not my job at all. Whoa, whoa Alex settle down, trim the volume. <laughs> No, it's it's very real consideration, especially with swimming, because as everyone knows, you're supposed to wait 30 minutes before you get in the pool. So you got to push everything 30 minutes to the left before that. It's just it becomes this whole thing. Have you I mean, this is slightly getting off into a tangent, but I'm glad you mentioned swimming, because, again, chronicling kind of like the history of CrossFit, it seems like. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like it's gone from a very strength focused, high intensity under the lights in the stadium to. I mean, we're seeing a lot more of an endurance component to it now. And you've got swimming, biking, longer distance running combined with all the lifting. I mean, what is like, this is an obvious question, but like, what does a training week or phase look like balancing all of those things? So uh, this is something I I took from PyCon a few years ago. Um, When you're balancing things, I think that there are different phases of the season that are focused and oriented on, you know, building more strength to build more muscle endurance or sports-specific training, but you never should really completely like cycle out of one component because then it makes returning to like returning your skills in that component a lot more difficult. Um, so I guess the priorities generally speaking off season is base building every it's, it's tough to say directly because it's going to be my second time in 2016, 2020. And now this upcoming off season, I took a lot of time to get strong. So this will, this will be like a, a straight focused off season, but generally speaking, the other off seasons that I've had 17, 18, 19, 21, um, have all been in 22, have all been pretty aerobically focused. Um, it, it normally just is a little bit easier to do that and still compete. It's tough to, you can't fake the shape part of it. Like if you're in extraordinary shape, but you're not strong enough, especially for me as a strength biased athlete, I can get away with that a little bit more than I can get away with not being in shape. And especially how not being in shape will affect my gymnastics versus being really strong and how that affects my gymnastics. It's just not the most economical choice, but I do have to, you have to kind of change gears a little bit. Um, so 
offseason, so we focus on that. And that offseason period probably bleeds into around the quarterfinals. We'll have a, a part where we get pretty sports specific. You're running progressions throughout the whole year with um, your gymnastics and your lifting. A lot less on the lifting front for the last two years or last year and a half for me, but pretty diligent on the gymnastics and then adding Metcon to taste just to keep, you know, a little bit of your sports specific skills on point. And then as you get closer to semifinals, you get into the sports specific, you get into a really sports specific, like a lot of CrossFit phase after semifinals, you, you take a, a little bit of time off and then you get into building the capacity and all the, the tests that are more uniquely part of the CrossFit game. So that is, uh, you, there's, there's, a, we have things kind of separate and like, you have like definites, it's, it's the NFL, um, injury system. Like, you know, there's this guy probably out, questionably out, definitely. in, or, you know, like kind of throughout that, and that's kind of how we categorize things for, um, the likelihood that we'll see them in the games. And then, the likelihood that you see certain movements in the games is higher than what you'll see in semifinals. Like, you know, you probably won't sled. They had a sled last year, uh, the torque tank, but you probably won't sled. So you, you're going to save some of the heaviest volume of the sled work is going to come um, before the game. So re realistically, that's just an example, but you get a lot more sports specific ahead of the games um, and doing stuff kind of outside of the gym. And it really is uh like you were you were mentioning it's pretty open ended what you have to be ready for so you end up just doing a lot of stuff so across that entire i guess year which which part of that is your favorite when are you having the most fun uh there's a sweet period right after the games where i'm not really doing anything <laughs> and i i really enjoy that <laughs> um no i'm kidding i i like i like open training i think i like when the test open and the Rogue Invitational, which have, it's, it hasn't happened every year, but I've done it four years and hopefully get to do it for a fifth this year. Those feel like a little bit more closed test than um, maybe quarterfinals, semifinals, and the games. The games especially is a, is a super open test. And I, I mentioned this earlier, like part of how me knowing myself as an athlete is that I'm not like the most adaptable guy, but I think uh, because I do my own programming or have always been involved in it, I feel a lot more confidence when I can come up with a plan to attack a movement. So when I, when something gets announced, I feel more confident than maybe somebody else. Like as an example, Pat, who's way fitter than me, Pat Vellner, um, put up something the other day and he was like, I hate when they announce things early. Um, like, and I was like, man, I really love it. And that's cool. That that's, I feel like that's an advantage for me, even though Pat's, you know, a better athlete by a million miles, just like there's different approaches. So I really like the closed test and the open and rogue have feel, feel like tests that are at least like somewhat closed um, or at least I've done a good job of guessing them enough to feel like I'm smart enough to know what, what's coming with those. Well, I should add for people. So the open for people that don't know is the like online worldwide qualifier. And I mean, it's always been sort of explained to me as I've competed and coached through it. It's like it, it, the bar is slightly lower and that might even be the wrong word, but it's, it's more accessible for everybody. So I can imagine that as a games athlete, it's not the same level of intensity that you're thinking going into the games because it's, you know, once a week for several weeks and it has to be applicable to just about anybody more or less. Yes, absolutely. In some ways though, I do think the intensity is higher because there is less of a technical barrier to entry for the movements. So if it's, if you know, the, the classic example, there hasn't been a test like this in a while, but one of the old open tests was seven minutes of burpees. Oh, dude, I was in college. I remember that one. Yeah. Really painful. Right. But it you're not going to, you're not going to, 
miss a burpee, like, you know, technically, right? You're not going to fail it the same way you would fail a muscle up or handstand walking across uh, an obstacle or something. And as the season progresses, there's more and more of these technical tests, like the legless rope climb, the seated legless rope climb at semifinals or the handstand pirouette in that same workout, or, you know, just the higher volume muscle ups, things that you can fail be for reasons more related to your ability to do the movement or your muscle endurance versus just your ability to hurt. And I think uh, leaning into ability to hurt is something that that's a skill set I feel like I've, I've built out well. And is that's what CrossFit, that's why CrossFit appealed to me when I first started doing it. And it's kind of like my, my pocket. So I like staying in my pocket. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to shift what I was going to ask a little bit. Cause you just talked about like tolerance for suffering and things like that. Your background is in wrestling how do you think wrestling specifically as like, cause people come from different sport backgrounds to CrossFit and people come from different sport backgrounds to tactical professions in the army and things like that. Mm-hmm. What, what specifically from wrestling has helped you get where you are? Okay. I think wrestling's a great background for CrossFit, uh, for a few reasons. The first I think comes from the, the training we train across pretty much all modalities in wrestling. We, we would lift weights, um, pretty much, I think we lift the weights three or four times a week. We, as part of getting your weight down, you ended up doing a lot of, you know, easier cardio zone one, zone two work. And then the, the sport itself was, you know, a, a Metcon kind of a blend of anaerobic and aerobic efforts. So we, we trained long, we trained short, we trained explosive, we lifted, we went, we did, you know, really long efforts. So I think that well-roundedness that's, that serves you as a wrestler also kind of serves you as a CrossFit. And within that, when you have to train so many modalities, you're used to training for a long period of time. And I tell people this and folks don't believe me, but I, I train more in college with, with the exception of games training. I train more in college than I do now because I was, you know, you wake up and there was a, a drill session in the morning. You'd have your J hour lift in the middle of the day. You go to practice after practice, you cut weight. And so between all that and, you know, also doing school stuff and not sleeping and military responsibilities and all this other stuff, I was, I had more on my plate by a long shot then, and definitely felt more physically tired because I was too silly to really know when to pull off and when to taper and didn't have the, the skills to maybe get away with being able to take my foot off the gas. And uh, yeah, I think that that prepares you really well on that front. Um, so it's like the training modalities and the training volume, but also the, the nature of cutting weight. I think there's a lot of objectivity in you either do, or you don't do this thing. And that, that feedback is also present in wrestling just with the individual nature of the sport. You either win the wrestle off or you lose the wrestle off. You're better than this person. There's not like, it's not, uh, I guess fluky is the wrong word, uh, but it just feels like it's very concrete that you are or not better than somebody else. And you get used to losing a lot in those scenarios. Like you're not going to beat the guy who's heavier than you. Um, there's just a lot of really concrete feedback. And I think learning to take good negative feedback is essential for being a good CrossFitter because you're always not going, you're not going to be the best at most of the things that you do. As I alluded to, like I think I've, I've got probably five or six event wins in seven years of high level CrossFit competition on the individual side. Um, but I've placed or, you know, done top 10 at a lot of it, at a lot more events than that. And so the name of the game is consistency and being able to accept, okay, I didn't win this, but I'm, I'm on to the next thing or not, not winning is not the end of the world. And I think some sports don't give that same type of feedback. So the summing up the training modalities, training volume, and then the type of feedback you get 
and learn to accept as a wrestler. Those, that's all really useful stuff. So I want to key in on the volume because we're, we're going to talk a little bit of like relevance to like other people's training and specifically for tactical and military training and things like that. And I think people like to focus a lot on like intensity or maximal strength. And they love to focus on like the gymnastic skill and they love to focus on like the endurance events. But what stands out to me, both from what you said about your wrestling training and from what you said about your CrossFit training is that the, the real like make or break thing is the amount of volume you can tolerate, which is something you have to progress into really gradually over practically a lifetime. How, like, how do you manage, I guess in your case, it sounds like you just built up to it from childhood and kept a high level of training volume forever to a certain degree. But is that something that you feel like is addressed enough? Cause I feel like when we talk about tactical professionals, it's basically how much volume can you tolerate of just doing stuff? that's going to decide performance. That's what a lot of hard schools look like and things like that. It seems like yeah. tolerance for volume is overlooked. D durability. I, I wish I remembered the framework. Uh, I specifically uh, had remembered taking this from, but I remember reading or some, some are saying that like durability is as, as essential a component of fitness as is your muscle endurance or your conditioning or your, your maximal strength, because you can't express any of those things um, especially in a military tactical sense, when you're working over weeks, months, years, you can't express any, your, your maximal abilities, in any of those areas, if you don't have the durability to be in position to, you know, be the person, like if you're at home because you're broken, then you're not going to be on that deployment when your, your super swift, swift skills at X, Y, or Z, uh, could be applicable. Um, so I, I think durability is, is hugely important and it does take a long time and it, it requires you to start below your maximal capacity to understand where, where it's at. And so I just don't think that briefs well when folks are wanting to, you know, get to be becoming elite as soon as possible. And for some people that does work, it just is not a, it's not sustainable or achievable for most people to, you know, immediately try and do whatever I'm doing because I spent, I've more or less been a professional athlete for, 13 years at this point. Um, so I've been doing this volume for a long time. And if you decided to do it 13 months ago and are trying to do what I'm doing, then like potentially you haven't built the, uh, you know, the, the strength or ability to recover hormonally or any of these other ways. Some, another thing I want to throw in, like one of my coaches always says like building muscle takes weeks, tendons take months and bones take years when he's like talking about density and resilience and injury. And, you know, I think, those concepts are kind of lost in, in a fitness market where solutions easier or like faster solutions are available. You can, you can take my training immediately and start doing what I did. But um, just because I'm selling you that product doesn't mean it's necessarily like the, the right thing for you if your training age or um, experiences up to this point are different. Well, it's interesting you say that because, and this isn't to knock anybody at all, but one of the things that I noticed becoming more and more popular over the last several years is athletes, coaches in the space will sell, you know, like this, do my training alongside me kind of thing, which for a lot of people I think is fun. And maybe I even hesitate to say that, but I mean, to your point, like you see that. And I remember at one point, I think I was like looking at Rich Froning stuff and it's like, Maybe for a day you could do that or two days, but to think that you could do that just out of the blue for weeks and weeks and weeks. I mean, do you, 
I guess the question baked within this is when you see a lot of people, and I'll, I'll keep this specific to the tactical space, when you see and hear a lot of people saying that they do CrossFit, it's it's very popular in the tactical community. People like it because it's fun. It's, you know, it changes all the time. There's a lot of variety. Do you think that that's appropriate for this space? Or maybe even to go deeper into that, what level of CrossFit do you think is the most appropriate for this space? I think the level of CrossFit most most appropriate it would be you know doing a class workout a day and maybe some supplementary lifting alongside it which most gyms end up these days programming a lift and then a metcon i think outside of that unless you have your life oriented around you know recovery protocols that allow you to avoid being overtrained from doing you know the volume that you're going to get from waking up early going to pt working a job all day coming to like going to a CrossFit class after work and then also, you know, doing your home and family and additional work responsibilities. If you like are, if your life is totally oriented around recovering around your workouts, then you can maybe get away with that. And also if you have athletic background, but if you don't, then you're just increasing potentially your risk for burnout, injury, uh, all the above. And you're probably also not training as effective as you could for your job, the, the job requirements and the tests you, um, take part in as a service member are not what the CrossFit games are. So like, for example, I think um, there's a couple of movements I talked about. I will probably never do after I'm done competing. If you are not competing in CrossFit, potentially you need to think like, is a snatch the best way for me to learn how to express power generation? Could I get 90% of the same uh, effect from working overhead mobility and power cleaning. And then could I, you know, maybe stave off injury a little bit longer if I choose to do that? Do I need to be doing this volume of kipping gymnastics when strict is going to have more applicability to maybe some of the tests that I will have to take part in if I'm looking to join a, you know, special, special unit of some sort. So it's, it, it's a tool in the toolbox, but it is not on its own the answer because especially at high levels, high level CrossFit does not I think lend itself to uh, doing other things at a high level as well. And that's a common misconception. Folks want to perform. They want to be a high level family member, high level service member, soldier, high level CrossFit athlete and high level, you know, friend or whatever hobby, but like, it's, it's very difficult to do even one thing at a high level. So the more things that you're trying to do at that, you're probably going to end up burning out in, in one of those areas. I have, so I have a riff I want to hit in a second, but before I do that, I want to hear the movements that you're never going to do again after you walk away from CrossFit. Okay. Uh, I think <laughs> muscle ups, it, I think we CrossFit is like a, in a lot of ways, a shoulder endurance sport. There's other components to it, but we put a lot of stress in our shoulders. Um, like I'm thinking like the last few days I swam, I've lifted weights overhead in a overhead walking lunge there's clean and jerks there's wall walks there's handstand walks so like there's a lot of things that involve um your shoulders and i don't think real life has that many occasions where you know like if i'm putting the groceries up i'm not like kettlebell snatching them and then like walking them into the house or something like that and i'm, I'm definitely <laughs> i can't tell you the last time i did a muscle up in the wild um so i think i'm just going to be a lot more gentle to my shoulders especially you know the amount of crossfitters that have some partial um labrum tear or ac joint damage it's just those things aren't necessary to maintain a high level of fitness um the way that i see see fitness um i don't think i'll really lose much if i can snatch 300 pounds and i never snatch again and it goes down to 
200 pounds, I'll probably still be strong enough to do anything that a non-CrossFit event would ever ask me to do overhead, right? So that that's that's pretty much it. I'll just be a lot kind on the shoulders. I also probably won't do thrusters and wall balls because I hate I, those. Okay, I'm glad you said that because for me, it's always been thrusters and freaking wall balls. And I was going to say, yeah. if he doesn't say thrusters and wall balls, I'm not going to believe anything else that comes out of his mouth. <laughs> that's totally fair. Thrusters, wall balls, and I might be that person whenever they throw a rowing workout and I'll just be like, I'll show up. I'll, I'll hop on the biker coach. <laughs> so I want to get back to this, this riff, because as we were talking about, you know, you mentioned that you like to not, well, maybe do your own programming, but certainly be involved in it. And and one of the things that I have heard for years and years, maybe it's a misconception from people looking at CrossFit from the outside in, you're not only doing CrossFit to be good at CrossFit. It's not, you know, a 21, 15, nine, every single day a Metcon and that's like, you're doing a lot of different things that you talked about. And so maybe there's not even a question baked into this, but just more of a thought because you do hear a lot of people saying that they're doing CrossFit when really they're just training well, and it doesn't have to be CrossFit or conversely, you'll see people combining something with a barbell and maybe an assault bike and some naysayers in the corner being like that assholes over there doing CrossFit. And it's become almost like a catch-all for any type of training that is either not powerlifting or strict running. And I guess I'm curious, have you run into that before, maybe in your army career or afterwards where somebody just labels like, oh, you're just doing CrossFit. It's like, no, I'm just training well. Yes, it is interesting because I do think from a, from a CrossFit perspective, I understand uh, for, for my, you know, for branding and everything, you, you would want to say that everything that a CrossFit games athlete is doing is CrossFit um, because <laughs> that's the whole point of it is that it's like this nebulous thing that encapsulates. In, in, in if it's nothing, it's everything. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's that being tough to define is a little bit intentional and allows the Olympic lifting session I did, especially with the workouts they've announced for the games where they're like, on, on their faces, their single modality test of there's a monostructural test, weightlifting test, gymnastics test. Um, but if I'm doing gymnastics, I'm not doing CrossFit, but if it's training for CrossFit, is it CrossFit? It's tough to, tough to really know where those lines, uh, are, are drawn, but yeah, I think training well in a lot of cases does look very similar to doing CrossFit. Um, I think the 10 components of fitness are, you know, similar enough to what the army came up with for, for their 10 domains that they, they cover most of the same things. And that's just, if you want to be a fit human, CrossFit's going to be a good way of getting you there. It might not be the optimal way, depending on who you are, what your time availability is, and what you're training for, and all that. But um, it's going to check a lot of boxes. So training well is going to look very similar to CrossFit in a lot of cases, probably most cases. So you kind of set this one up. And I'll ask the question two ways. One is putting you on the spot, and the other is an option where you can go a different direction if you don't want to get put on the spot. We like to keep things open ended here. So outstanding. Like. <laughs> I guess the more direct version of the question is, would you recommend CrossFit as the way to train for tactical professionals? And the the softer version of that question is, if you were designing training for tactical professionals as someone who's learned a ton about programming and fitness and as someone who had a background in the military, what would that training look like if you were designing it? So the, the fact that we don't have a good definition of CrossFit makes us hard to answer. And I'm going to give a definition that works within my answer, but it's not actually what what I think CrossFit is, but I think people think CrossFit is just like Metcons, right? Like that is the the part of CrossFit that separates it from powerlifting, even though we powerlift or Olympic lifting, even though we do that, blah, 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 Metcons, right? And the Metcon is incorporating, if I was to have the, your most boring Metcon, it would have, 
or like your most stereotypical Matt Conner would have a monostructural component, like Helen, one of the workouts announced for the games. You have a run, you have a gymnastics movement and pull-ups, and you have a weightlifting movement with the kettlebell swings where there's outside implement. So if I would say that there, a Metcon involves those three things, like for this definition of CrossFit, CrossFit is Metcons, Metcons involve mixing of monostructural gymnastics and weightlifting. Um, I would incorporate that into a program, but I would not do it at the expense of training for whatever the, um, like the test is. So I think, I think it's a part of a program, but it is not on its own. Even, even though you can make Metcons, you know, I can make a, a zone two style Metcon, or I can make a Metcon that involves rucking for 10 miles. And, you know, every two miles you do five burpees or you swing your ruck around, like that's technically a Metcon, but it might not be the best tool for training for, you know, a, 50 kilometer run or I, I don't know some super long evolution I might be expected to do, to do as a tactical professional or it might not also serve the needs of a tactical professional if I'm working on limited time and I have time for one workout a day and over the course of a week I need to accumulate you know a, a solid strength building block I need to accumulate some actual some serious endurance work um CrossFit is part of the solution, but it is not fully the solution. And how how big a part it plays depends again on the the goals and how much time is available for that service member. Okay, I like that answer. Um, we are getting relatively close to the hour mark here, and I want to. Are we pull, really? I want to pull Dang. a story. Dude, time flies. Time flies when you're having fun. Oh man, that's a bummer. We can so, go for as long as like we'll go. We've gone for two and a half. Not that we're going to do that tonight, but we'll do whatever. <laughs> It's, I mean, you're the one with the packed schedule right now, so it's all on you, but I will ask you, I want to get a story out of you before we go to some other, like back to CrossFit kind of questions. And it, it surrounds CrossFit. It does involve CrossFit. So it surrounds like when and how you discovered CrossFit and how it tied to you, like preparing for the army and things like that. And, and hopefully I've given you enough of a hint right there to like explain the story. Um, I, I'm hoping you could just tell this one of like why you chose that tool to like stress you out in a very particular way. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, it's a, it's two reasons. One, um, I had had have asthma. And so I knew I needed to get in really good shape before I got into the army, because one of the things about being in the army is that you're not allowed to have asthma. Don't worry. I'm not taking your taxpayer dollars. There's no VA, nothing for me here. I'm just, <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to be in the army. I knew it was going to be tough. So I was like, I have to get in really good shape still good a shape that even if I'm having an asthma attack, it won't matter. And so there were some ways I was reaching that goal as in like, I would just hop on a treadmill, put it as fast as like it would go and just run until I had an asthma attack. And then be like, all right, now like do something else and just try to be tough, which you can't out tough a physical condition. As I learned last year when I was having all sorts of asthma problems at, uh, at, at semifinals, but a lot of good lessons learned. Anyways, I remember looking up like military training, legitimately just Googled like military training. And then in between the, the Stu Smith, Navy sealed like documents and all that other stuff, there was something about CrossFit and because the media team was awesome and still has the capacity to be awesome. Sometimes I, uh, I ended up watching a video of Spencer Hendel doing a snatch and at like sectionals 2010 or something. And I sent him a message on Facebook and I was like, Hey man, whatever. Some, some cool fan stuff. I, I think you're really cool. I'd like to do CrossFit too but I have to message you directly to learn how to do it. And he was like, he was cool cool enough to send me a message back. And I started doing it, train for West Point. I ended up getting a lot better shape for wrestling my senior year and was kind of bought in at that point. Hopefully I think I touched everything there because it's got the double, the asthma and then the, uh, 
the, the Google. <laughs> so, so you got it. And I like that a lot. And I will say you talked about being fit enough that even if you're having an asthma attack, it would not matter. And you specifically referenced last year's semifinals. And I remember going back and looking at it because like in some ways that was hard to watch and it was sad and stuff. But in another way, I went back and looked and I was like, man, I wonder, could I perform the way he performed while he was actively having an asthma attack? And the answer was absolutely not. There is no way <laughs> I could have performed even at the level you did while you were unable to breathe. That was uh, that was my ultimate proof of concept. That was my, my magnum opus. That's what all, <laughs> all the work in CrossFit have been working towards seeing how fit are you when you can't breathe? And um, the answer is not fit enough to go to the CrossFit games. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see a world where, you know, they create a CrossFit Metcon that somehow involves some constricted breathing of some sort. And then you have to go off and do who knows what I could see that getting folded into things. You'd be ready. We were joking today. We're up at i uh, I'm in Breckenridge right now for some altitude training. And I was joking with the guys. I was like, you guys, they were like, Oh, it's like breathing through a straw. I was like, welcome to my life all the time. Like I was, I was born in the dark. I was molded by it. This oh, is, ain't, ain't new to me. You really adopted the altitude. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want to riff off of that because you're in Breckenridge, you're doing altitude training. I mean, like for all intents and purposes, this is a very professional approach to arguably a very professional sport. How has the sport at your level of CrossFit changed since you started competing to now? So it's changed that there is a, a venue to be a professional in which a professional athlete in the sense that you make professional athlete money, you have connection to professional athlete like sponsorships and can do professional athlete things like come up to, to Breck and, um, you know, run a, run a training camp. I think when I was in the army, I had a ridiculous savings rate. I lived in Alex, the car that he he was mentioning earlier was maybe one of the worst cars in history, like was always doing everything I could to save money because I was like, he's not want to try this. It's one of the worst cars in history. Terrible car. But I miss I miss Valerie. She was great. But Valerie, you know, doing all these things Valerie. to like save money. Cause I was like, there is no I if I'm a CrossFit professional, I'm gonna make at best, and this was also something on the sheet, like fifty thousand dollars a year was like something I thought, you know, would be a, a realistic target to make, you know, between coaching and maybe winning some money as sponsorship. But that's not, you know, comparable to being a professional athlete in other spaces. And it's probably tougher to do, you know, make it to events in different continents and some of the other things if you're if that's the type of money you're making. But I had no expectations that there was an avenue to being a professional. But within within the last decade, 2012 was when I said I want to make the CrossFit Games. And that was also the first year that I believe it might have been 11, but Reebok started sponsoring in 11 or 12. And that's when the, the prize money got you know significant enough that outside brands became interested in the sport and their a path began to build uh, where you could be a professional in the CrossFit space. So with that, you know, there are more opportunities, but there's also come with great power comes great responsibility. There's a lot more, uh, you know, requirements for, you know, what you're doing on social. There's more requirements for how much training you need to do. There's more requirements for how you periodize. Like you can't just show up to an event and expect to go and win, like, or show, expect to go and win every off-season competition. You know, like you have to take time off and, um, it, you know, it, it, it's come to resemble the professional sports that I grew up, you know, around and, I think that's for the better. And I hope that it can continue to progress because I think that makes the quality of the, the sport better, but also the methodology better as we find more efficient ways of, you know, training, training for the sport. I think that bleeds out into helping, you know, folks who have a little bit more limited time train most effectively with the time that they have available. So if you can, where do you think the sport 
is going because i mean i'm thinking specifically of like you see those old videos of the crossfit games at the ranch and dudes are snatching like 205 and it's a huge deal and now guys are i mean 300 pounds is kind of that's a minimum in some cases but on top of that you've got guys running you know sub five minute miles i mean just as somebody who's been involved in strength and conditioning and and kind of crossfit too for a number of years it's like you'll see you'll see people knock the sport because it looks obnoxious if you're watching it on tv but at the same time you have guys and girls doing insane physical things and so where do you think the kind of ceiling is for this like how far do you think it can go before it's like man that that kind of feels like the limit of human performance i'd say we're still if if the money continues to be continues to grow in the sport then we're still 15 25 years away from reaching maximal human performance only because the best athletes even though i think the the qualities that make athletes great in other sports necessarily don't you know lend themselves well to crossfit if i had a higher preponderance of you know fast switch fibers than i'd be in the nfl instead of crossfit and i also probably wouldn't be able to run a decent 5k so at some level the sport there there's not a a huge problem in self-selecting um people kind of get self-selected for the sport because they don't have the high-end uh, capabilities and endurance or strength to compete in more traditional sports that don't reward the generalist. So I think like, as if, if the sport continues to grow, those athletes will continue to the athletes who, you know, have the, the right uh, muscle fiber typology and just general rubber profile for CrossFit will continue to find it. But I think a lot of it is also subject to what the programming at the CrossFit games looks like. And that is something that is really difficult to predict in this current environment because there's a, a new person who started programming last year and is also programming this year and for the foreseeable future. And his style and his view of what CrossFit is is different than what the previous programmer's view was. So um, I think pushing the limits in strength and conditioning is something that CrossFit kind of made cool. I think the hybrid training deal, whatever phenomenon that's that's arrived, is largely, you know, coming from people realizing that you can train to be strong and train to be conditioned at the same time. Like those things are possible. And like that a lot of that is coming from CrossFit, but how much CrossFit decides to lean into that side of things versus leading into, you know, doing things that separate it specifically as a sport and less at developing capacity and single modalities that translate into, or that like, come from established sports that's kind of up to uh the head programming person but yeah that might be a media answer i'm curious to see this kind of because you're starting to see crossfit become competitive at younger and younger ages and people you know effectively growing up in the sport and so it's i mean i'm curious to see what that looks like in five ten years time like you know i've got a two and a half year old daughter and i'm not necessarily pushing her towards crossfit but you're starting to see young kids do this as their as a sport and then you can only imagine what that's going to look like when they're 18 19 20 years old like man what's that what's that 300 pound snatch gonna do to a guy who's in high school like that's pretty insane I mean, you're, you're seeing it already with there's a, there's a pretty big influx of people in uh at the crossfit games who are a little bit younger and i think folks are always surprised and they'll always cast doubt on the the authenticity of what games athletes do but i i always feel like it's important to note that no one, no sport has ever awarded training for the sake of training. Training is always a means to an end, not the end itself. So to reach new capacities in a area that has not been explored, like shouldn't be surprising to people because it's, it's literally something, you know, 30 years ago, maybe there was 
10 people in America who wanted to squat 500 and run a sub five minute mile. But nowadays that's a, you could, you could build a whole brand off of trying to get people up to that specific goal. It's just, it's a new concept. And of, of course there's gonna be new heights reached when there's a uh, new areas being explored. Okay. Speed round time. Hit it. So we've got it. We've got a couple of these. We may come up with some more as we go. I mean, this is not structured at all. We just threw the word speed round in before we ask you these next couple of questions. So we talked about programming. What is your perfect CrossFit workout? You have the keys to the castle. The games are next week. You get to create the perfect CrossFit workout. Go. Um, 2019 games, first events, the first cut event. There was, it was a standard CrossFit deal where there was a gymnastics component with the legless rope climbs. I think that's a good movement and pretty easy to judge and to teach folks. There's not a high skill ceiling. Um, there was snatches of which there is a high skill skill ceiling, but I'm good at them. So we'll include those. And there's running, which is the most basic of the monostructural components and probably the most basic human activity in general. And it was a combination of those three movements. It was also the highest I've ever finished the games workout, but it's neither here nor there. So that's my perfect, perfect workout. <laughs> okay. Next one, zone two. It's obviously having a moment. Everybody's it's, it's super hyping it. Is it is it overhyped or is this like a good trend that's getting people to do more solid base building? It's overhyped in the same way that vegetables are overhyped. I feel like it's a, a reasonable comparison to make. Um, hear me out here. I think that is a legendary if, response. <laughs> if you're on a desert island and you need to eat food to survive, and I'm this is. That for the point purpose of this analogy, that's like people who aren't training very often and eating vegetables is probably not your best call. Maybe having some more high intensity movement, like using your time to get high intensity or higher loads or whatever, just adding some sort of challenge. Like you should have some hard work in if you're not doing any work at all. But if you have a, you know, a full balanced diet and you're hitting your macros, then you could probably start keying in on everything that's coming with the vegetables, all the micronutrients and everything. So um, I think it's overhyped for the general public, I think general public probably needs to just do more exercise that is difficult, but at a higher level, if you have balanced everything else out, then it becomes radically important. All right. Before Drew goes back to speed round, thank you for writing a mops and mo's post for me. Oh, sweet. All right. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll, any, any competition you're at, we'll call the CrossFit games. What, what movement or series of movements do you see on the board that you're just like, ah, oh, shit. Mm, uh, anything squat pattern. Uh, I would, I'm with you. Yeah, man. The wall, the wall balls, the thrusters, the row in squat cleans. Uh, I, I don't really want to do any of that. It's funny. Like I'm a great back squatter, but positionally it's just never really worked out for me on, uh, the, the squat side of things. And I don't know if I don't brace well, don't breathe well. There's, probably all sorts of issues, but also being really good at something at a world-class level, there's people who do squat at a world-class level and I'm competing against those guys. So even if I'm bad in comparison to them, I'm probably not awful at it. It's just tough to be good at everything at a high level. Well, it's like, I mean, there's a difference between I like to squat versus wall balls are enjoyable. First, I don't know what it is about knee flexion. It's like, do it for three to five reps and it's great. It's in everybody's wheelhouse. Do it for a hundred yeah. reps with a tiny little leather ball. And like, it sucks. It does. <laughs> I wish I had more pleasant things to say about it. I'm 90% positive we're going to do them here in a week and a half, and it's going to be a character builder. We'll be cheering for you. I'll need it. So CrossFit is a very polarizing modality. People kind of either love it or hate it. There's no one who's really neutral. What is your response to those folks who talk about 
CrossFit's terrible. CrossFit causes tons of injuries. Just CrossFit haters in general. They're all on drugs. It's tough to defend all three of those things simultaneously. Uh, CrossFit is not USADA. They have um, they work with drug free sport, which means like the. I, I wish I wish they did a better job there because I think they could be doing a lot to either keep the sport clean if it is dirty or do a better job of like showing people like, Hey, these athletes are doing a legitimate, like they're doing everything legitimately. Um, so I really can't defend much on that. Cause I think CrossFit needs to do a better job there, but also becoming USADA signatory as a non-Olympic sport is like impossible unless you have deep pockets like the UFC. So that's kind of outside the realm of it. Um, as far as like for other people, I just tell people like there's, there's nobody else who, who can do what, crossfitters could do at the, at the highest level. Um, if we're talking just training, it's tough to say that your training modality is better than crossfitters. When, even though we have a limited definition of fitness, that probably is over-reliant on the barbell in comparison to what you'd see in Spartan or some other field like that. Um, we there's, there's nobody who's as strong and as fast and has gymnastic capacity like us. So if your training program is better at achieving fitness as defined by crossfit, then go for it. But I, I don't really see that that happening in a lot of spaces and then the injury stuff is is pretty well debunked to this point where it's not more dangerous than participating in any other uh recreational activity so that one's just that's a that's a that whole deal was not true to begin with but it's bad publicity that you know kind of it lasts for a while like the uh the flavored people are still getting over jonestown i'm sure so it's just (laughs) sometimes it, it takes a minute for the the press cycle to spin your way there was a fun little lawsuit if anybody wants to go back and look up the history. Are we going to put yeah, the was... Jonestown lawsuit? Or, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, is Jonestown making I, I should have thought of a better, a better. <laughs> or I'm not as quick on my feet as I used to be. No, that was, that was excellent. It, it's, it's always been interesting to me with CrossFit and I'm biased because I've done it for a long time, but like, you know, the knock against it is that it's all these modalities and like they're doing everything and blah, blah, blah. It's like, Nobody knocks triathlon and that's three different things. I mean, you're biking, running and swimming and people think it's like the sexiest endurance activity of all time. It's like throw a barbell in there. And now all of a sudden it's like the stupidest thing you've ever seen. I think it's the technical aspect of it and how these movements, when they're done at high intensities, like they're done in CrossFit, the, like the technical side of things breaks down enough to where, you know, swimmers are receptive to triathletes because triathletes they swim slightly different, but for the most part, they swim very similarly. Right. And they, they cycle similar to cyclists and they run similar to runners. But my, whenever I go and do this Olympic lift, I'm going to hit the nastiest power clean you've ever seen. And a bunch of people who do not power clean as much as me are going to tell me, Oh, it's so bad. And I'll be like, yeah, I'm tracking. It's not, it's not, (laughs) it would not pass in your field or whenever we're hitting muscle ups, we'll say, wow, they're, they're using too many legs. So that would be, you'd lose points in gymnastics meet or when we're rowing, if we're trying to save our, legs and we use a, a higher arm pull like all these movements become compromised when they are integrated in the cross methodology because of the intensity and the intentional combination of you know movements that kind of sometimes can can use the same body part or ask ask a lot out of a body part that you would normally need to use for that modality so i think that's kind of what makes us a little bit of a redheaded stepchild for some of these modalities that we participate in okay you teed up this last speed round question perfectly Kipping pull-ups. Are those pull-ups? No, they're a different movement, but um, I think it, it's over overhated if you use them within the context of a Metcon where the purpose is to do enough movement to keep your heart. I won't, I won't say work, but work is is how crossers would define it. If you're if you're doing more work in order to 
you know, keep your heart rate higher and be able to maintain intensity through uh, the course of a workout, it is more effective for that purpose. So it's just a different movement, same way that nobody in the, in the powerlifting community, you could choose to sumo deadlift or regular deadlift. One of those is moving the bar for a lot less of a distance, but you're accomplishing the same work. Um, I think it's just, it gets a lot of flack because it looks funny, but I'll also probably do more strict pull-ups and anybody who can do as many regular kipping pull-ups as me too. So it feels like, well, it's like, I just think that there's enough evidence of like at, at its best CrossFit CrossFitters do things well, enough things well across the board that it's tough to really, you know, try to shoot holes in the, the breakdowns and technique or how they do something differently because we're doing so many things at once. Beautiful. Well, Chandler, this has been fantastic. I know like longtime followers of Mops and Moe's will know that it's like 50% a tactical human performance platform. And the other 50% <laughs> is it's a Chandler Smith fan page. So I appreciate you coming on. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching you at the games and everything a week from appreciate now. All this. Yeah. It's coming up. Depending soon. on when you listen to this. Well, yeah, when they listen to this, it will already have happened. So apologies Oops. for spoiler alert stuff. I don't know. Uh-huh. Congrats. Congrats on your win. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was very easy this year. Yeah. Yeah. We noticed. Well done. Knocked it out of the park. <laughs> but I just want to say thank you for coming on. I know you're busy training out there and everything. So this is, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you having me on. It's been super cool. Uh, if the folks don't know, Alex, and I've been friends since 2012, 13. We've like since cadet days lived in the, the same um, building and known him for a long time, did stuff with team RWB. And it's, it's cool that you have done the work that you've done in fitness. And I get to experience that from as, as a fan, you know, watching Mops and Mo's and the work that you've done and helping build up H2F and support fitness initiatives and uh, other government agencies as well. Like um, it's just been really cool to see. So I'm glad that we're both on this fitness journey, trying to help people. And it's cool that our paths get across like this. Drew, I'm, I'm just the awkward the third wheel. Yeah. yeah. I, have, I have nothing <laughs> to add. I'm the third wheel. Thanks for bringing me along on you guys' uh, dinner date tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Everybody have a good week. <laughs> see you guys. <laughs> Hey, Alex, let's cover our ass real quick. Oh, great idea, Drew. All right, guys. The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. Before you go, please rate and review the pod on the listening platform of your choice. You can also visit us on our website at www.mopsinmos.com. That's mops, the letter in, mos.com. You can check out the library of podcast episodes, our latest blog entries, any helpful resources, and also sign up for our newsletter. Drew nailed it. Just to underline a couple of things, the podcast entries have in-depth show notes on the website. So if you missed anything or you want to read any of the research we talk about, it is all there. You can, at the bottom of the website, sign up with your email and receive future updates from us. The blog posts go a little bit more in depth in kind of written form on a couple of topics we get questions about all the time. But most importantly, I just want to ask all you guys, our best way the word gets out is absolutely word of mouth. So tell your friends, tell the people you work with, anybody you think would find it useful. Thanks for spreading the word. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to shoot us an email at either Drew or Alex at mopsandmos.com. Or there's a contact form on the website. Thank you.